And if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 4 and uh, verses 2 through 6 is what we'll be looking at here in just a second. Uh, but I want to give you just a few kind of updates uh, of things that are kind of taking place in our church. And uh, so yesterday we actually had a uh, staff, elders, and deacons uh, planning meeting with a lot of our leaders. And so I want you to understand, uh, before we ever even begin this message this morning, uh, yesterday all of our staff, all of our elders, all of our deacons spent time in prayer for you as a congregation, you as a church, and where the Lord is leading us. And I think, man, what a special moment that is uh, to know that you have been prayed for, that you have been prayed over uh, this morning. Uh, the next thing that I want to share with you is uh, in that meeting, I haven't given a building update in a while. And so I just wanted to kind of tell you where we are. Uh, we have uh, plans that are completely drawn up. Uh, we are ready to press go, but here's the thing that kind of held us up. Uh, as soon as we got everything in place, interest rates jumped uh, from 4% to about 8.5% for commercial loans. And so we are on the pause button uh, until we either raise more capital or the interest rates begin to come down. And so to tell you the impact of that, uh, the loan payment uh, for about $3.5 million, which is what we were looking at going into, uh, was going to be about $20,000. Now, we have a plan to pay for that, but when that moved up to $30,000 because of interest, uh, we just kind of pushed the pause button. So we as a church are going to fill these two services up. If we need to go to a third service, we'll go to a third service, uh, but we're going to continue to do what God wants us to do. Uh, a building has never defined us. Uh, we've been in a movie. How many of you were in a movie theater with us? How many of you were to our first location? How many of you were in this location? Okay, good, half of you. Uh, so it's a little confusing, but uh, I gotcha. Uh, so when, when you think about that, God's been faithful to us regardless of where we are. Uh, the land is completely paid for. We don't have any debt on that. Uh, we're still paying off this building. Uh, so, But uh, the Lord's been good to us. I just wanted to give you kind of a heads up uh, because I know everything that's working in the behind the scenes, but sometimes y'all don't and sometimes I don't share that. So I wanted to share that with you this morning. Also, uh, if you are a kid in here, would you just slip up your hand for just a second? Uh, if you see that hand, give it a high five and tell them that you're glad that they are in here this morning. This is our family first Sunday. Why do we do this here at Pooler Bible Church? Every first Sunday of the month, we believe that it's an important thing for families to worship together. So kids, you are welcome here. You are invited here. Also, uh, your pastor about 150 years ago was a youth pastor. And the greatest thing that happened to me or the greatest detriment, I know, I'm not that old, uh, bald people don't age, so that's a good thing. Uh, but the interesting thing is that I saw so many of my students leave the church because they didn't feel like it was their church. And so we want you to understand, kids, this is your church. I am your pastor. Uh, pastor Shane is involved. Did I just say Pastor Shane? <laughs> Not sure those two go together, but anyway, uh, so, uh, man, maybe I need more sleep, who knows. Uh, so this morning, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Uh, last week, we had a great, great great response uh, for those of you that were here last week. Uh, and if you see the white ping pong balls that are in here, uh, those are people that we wanted to pray that we would have the opportunity to share our faith with, that they would come to know Christ uh, this year. And so uh, it, we're going to close out the service with that same kind of response here in just a few. Uh, but I wanted to start with this because the reality is 
we should be praying for each and every one of those. Uh, so this morning, we're going to talk about the action plan, how we're going to see this fulfilled, and how we're going to see this move forward. And so let me start with this question. Who do you talk to? What is the person that you go to? Who are the people that you talk to on a regular basis? Now, the interesting thing is that the average number of social interactions on a daily rate is 12 social interactions a day. Now, imagine that you had 12 conversations with 12 different people. Now, some of you, that's a lot higher. Some of you, that's a lot lower. But that's kind of the average in the midst of that. So imagine maybe you work with two or three people and have different conversations on the phone. But that's kind of what the gauge of this is, that this is to say that on average, you will have 12 social interactions with some person in a day. Now, the interesting thing is that social media has kind of changed a lot of our connections. We feel connected to people, although we've never actually had a conversation with them. And so the average, and this should kind of scare us and make us a little bit nervous, but the average time on social media daily is two hours and 24 minutes per day. Now imagine, that's a lot of time that's ate up on social media, interacting with social media, interacting with different people. But here's the thing that's different about social media. You don't necessarily interact with the people that you follow, with the people that you walk with, talk with, all those different things like that. So here's a fun fact. Do you realize that you can follow up to 7,500 people on Instagram? Can you imagine keeping up with 7,500 people every day with their life and what's taking place? Now, can I be honest with you? Because I think the kids and some of our younger ones need to know, and listen, I'm old and I get that, uh, but one of the things that is a conversation between me and my daughters sometimes uh, is that they'll be watching something on YouTube and nothing bad or negative, uh, but it's a family living their life. And so how many of you watch the LeBrant family? Okay, uh, so sometimes this is, okay, nobody, apparently you're the only one, Caroline. Uh, so nothing like being a pastor's kid this morning, right? Uh, so the interesting thing is that sometimes we'll have this conversation and I'll ask her and I go, well, let me watch with you for a little bit. And when I watch, they're just living their life with cameras. And I'm sitting there going, kid, we can do that same thing in the Hubbard household where we just live life, where we live this together. And so I think sometimes we think that social media counts as our interactions, but not necessarily does it. And so real talk this morning, who do you talk to? Who do you talk to about your personal life, about school, about work, and about your future? Listen, the reality is that this matters so much because the people that you talk to, the people that you trust are typically going to see the outlook on life that you have. And so I want to talk to the kids just for a second this morning. Listen to what I'm going to say because Pastor Jeff loves you and cares about you and wants to see you do things in a good way. And so I want to share with you this morning, your friends don't often know what's best for you, right? Your parents, on the other hand, most of the time know what's best for you. The reality is that a lot of times kids will talk to other kids, other interactions, other people to try to help them understand things that are going through. And for some reason, we think parents are out of touch or they don't know what to do or how to interact. But listen, old people understand a lot. Okay? Talk to... <laughs> The old people said amen on that one. 
So I ask you, who do you talk to? Who do you listen to? The voices that you listen to impact you every day. And the people that you look up to impact you greatly. So the influence of people around you can have a positive impact or a negative impact. And so now I want to get to kind of the, the most important question. Do you talk to God? This would be through prayer. And listen, the interesting understanding is that most of the time, this is kind of how this prayer life works. Somebody says, hey, pray for me. My grandmother's not doing really well. And we go, okay, I'll pray for you. But do you really pray for them? Do you really stop and spend time in prayer for them? Do you talk to God? Listen, we say that we are followers of Christ. We say that we are people that are living for God. But how do we know that we're living for God if we never spend time talking to Him? And imagine this in a relationship or a friendship or a marriage or different things like that where only one person talks all the time and you never communicate, you never talk back and forth. I ask you, do you talk to God? If so, how much? Because we've already established that maybe two hours and 25 minutes of your time could be freed up to talk to God. Amen? But imagine that if we kind of put things back where they belong and genuinely picked up a relationship with God, we would talk to Him. We would spend time talking to Him. Listen, the reality is this, if we say that we love God and live for him, then we should spend time in prayer with him. Without this type of following or this follow through, these are just empty words to the people that are around us. So I ask you, what do you talk to God about? Is it only that if needed? God, please bail me out of this situation. God, please work in the midst of this. And God's going, what's your name? Man, I hadn't heard from you since the 90s. Now, God doesn't do that. He's always there. He's always present. And he's already ready to listen to every word that you have to say. Maybe your prayer life is a sweet fellowship. Of just conversations. God, lead me here. God, guide me here. God, do this in the midst of this. Maybe your prayer conversations look like this. God, please help me not to kill this person today. Listen, whatever the case is. <laughs> Y'all amen at the weirdest spots <laughs> of my sermons, just so you know. What does your conversation consist of? When you talk to God, when you spend time with him. Man, so this morning, I want to look at this from a passage of scripture here in just a minute of what genuine prayer should look like. And listen, if we're going to be people that reach our one, if we're going to be people that actually share our faith, then this is the first greatest part of that, that we would spend time in prayer. And so a couple of questions to consider, is prayer valuable? For some, this is a frustration because your prayers don't get answered quickly and some prayers don't get answered the way that we want. Listen, I love that on this connect card, sometimes your prayers, I've been praying those prayers with you for some people five and 10 years. 
And just that, that constant understanding that God is still going to work. It's just on his time period. Listen, for some, the way that prayer works in your life is, I prayed one time for God to do something 10 years ago, and he never did, so I never talked to him again. Here's the realization. God is not your genie in a bottle. God is not this granting continual wishes for individuals. God is sovereign. God is in control. God is all-knowing of everything that takes place around us. So some prayers don't get answered the way that we want. So to understand this a little bit further, this is actually a spiritual discipline. This takes time and purpose to make sure that we're putting forth the genuine time period to do this. You have to dedicate time for this. It should be constantly in your head. And so I want you to understand that we should be actually training to go out and share our faith. And you think about this, how many of you have trained for a a run or a half marathon or some sporting event? It's interesting that we'll practice all week for one game or one match or different things like that. Can I just share kind of a fun fact with you? I'm learning more about tennis. One of my daughters is playing tennis. Do you know that you can't cheer? Nobody talks trash. You warm up with the person and show them your serve, your forehand, and your backhand. And then you call whether or not their ball is in or out. A fun fact, Jeff would have never been able to play tennis with his friends because they all lie. (laughs) Just a sidebar. I'm questioning whether or not it's even a sport. Look, we train for all of this. We train for these events. We train for these things. We work on these designed plays, these designed things. But instead of spending all of that time for things that are great and fun, we should train equally for our spiritual life. Listen, we are in a battle. Should we still pray? Why should I pray if God already knows my thoughts and God already knows my answers? It's interesting because we look at this sometimes as I don't really need to waste my time because God's going to do what God's going to do regardless. But what we lack when we don't talk to God is the fellowship where he realigns our heart with his direction. So this morning, I want to share a passage of scripture with you, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me in Colossians chapter 4 and verses 2 through 4. Listen, there's something powerful about when the church reads scripture together, and so I'm going to ask you to read this with me as we read this. Colossians chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 2. Here we go. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make clear clear which is how I ought to speak. Let's pray. Dear Father, please help us to understand this passage of Scripture. Please help these words be painted upon our hearts, and to be painted upon our prayer lives. Lord, thank you 
that this passage of Scripture, may it completely change us today to be people of genuine prayer. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now let's look based on this passage of scripture that we just read together as a church, that we understand the words. I want to look because this passage of scripture tells us how to be genuine people of prayer. And the first one is to be persistent with prayer. I love that he says, continue steadfastly that we would be persistent with our prayer, that we would make sure that we are persistent, continually praying. I love the implication of this opening part of this passage of Scripture because he doesn't say when you pray. He says continue steadfastly. It implies that all of us as believers are praying continually. And he says the encouragement is that when you pray, he says pray this way, pray for this, Continue steadfastly. Now, it's interesting that this is kind of the understanding. Do you know what the most persistent creature in the world is? A toddler. Mom, 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 mom. Yes, hey. Look, we should be that persistent in our prayer life with God. Hey, God, 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 God. Yes, Jeff. And this is how we should be. But listen, the reason that we should be this persistent is that we are in a battle every day of our life. We are fighting against sin and fighting against the evil that's in this world continually. And listen, our only hope to get through this, to get through these continual battles, is to stay close to God. I ask you this morning, are you persistent with your prayers? Listen, when you're persistent with, our, with your prayer, God begins to guide you and direct you and move you in the direction that he wants you to go. So have you ever watched kind of an action show, maybe a military movie, where they have this inner earpiece and somebody's telling them which direction to go and where to go? Anybody with me? I love this understanding and I love how this looks because God is that earpiece for us. Now listen, the reality is I'm not a very trusting person and so I'd want to interview the person that's telling me and go, hey, tell me your left and right because I don't want to make this mistake. And imagine that God never makes this mistake. He's continually telling you the right thing to do, constantly going in the right direction. And so listen, kids, instead of listening to your friends, take everything that you go through to a matter of prayer and listen to God as he speaks. Parents, take everything as a matter of prayer. Be persistent with this. Listen, if there's one thing that's probably the quality that my wife and kids hate the most about Jeff Hubbard is persistence. Man, we will continually go in the right directions and do things the right way because that's what pleases and honors the Lord. God commands us to continue praying despite how we feel or what experience we're having. And he promises us that he hears our prayers that are in Christ. We must persist in praying even when we don't feel like it. So I love the quote that John Piper or John MacArthur gives here. 
He says prayer isn't just something that we do and then we are done. Prayer is a way of life. Yes, we should have dedicated prayer times throughout the day that may end with an amen. Yet, we should think of God and talk with God at all times. The fellowship with God leads us to strengthening us. One very important reason that we should continually walk with God in prayer is that it helps us remain watchful. Now, the next thing that we're going to talk about in prayer is that we would be aggressive with our prayers. I love the understanding here because he's telling us that this isn't just a meek and kind thing, that this is an aggressive portion of our life. He tells us to be watchful. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Listen, every day that you live your life, somebody is trying to come to you and steal your joy. Somebody probably has done that to you on your way to church this morning. But listen, they're constantly trying to take away your close personal relationship with God. And prayer helps you fight sin. Listen, the reality is, how many of you go every night and make sure all of your doors are locked in your house? Now, those of you that didn't raise your hand, we'll see you tonight. <laughs> but the reality is this. When you think about how silly it is that the chances of somebody actually breaking into your house and coming in there is very small. But you are so disciplined every night to make sure that the locks are tight and you're ready for that. When it comes to our relationship with God and our prayer life, we are not vigilant. We don't go, God, I know that I'm going to face temptation. I know that I'm going to go through difficult times today. Prepare me for it. Allow me to have the strength to make it through. And listen, the reality is the reason that most Christians fail to fight sin is they're not prepared in their prayer life. Some of you are losing battles every day with sin because you won't spend time with God in prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And I want to encourage you this morning, be people of prayer. And the next is this, be a thankful prayer with thanksgiving, that we would continually pray with thanksgiving. Do you know that this is a complete change of outlook? When you're thankful to God, you begin to be thankful to others. Now, a fun fact, it's way easier to complain. Can we all agree on that? It seems like the older I get, the easier it gets. I don't know what's going on. It's crazy because we look at this and we can go to a restaurant and go, my food wasn't that warm. Man, why, don't any, why doesn't anybody greet me? Why doesn't anybody say hello these days? And the reality is that we could find everything to complain about. But it's really tough to be thankful. And when you think about this, the whole world sees reasons and opportunities to continually complain. But as Christians, as followers of Christ, we should be continually thankful. Example of this, the psalmist in 20, chapter 28, verse 7 says this, The Lord is my strength and my shield. 
In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. The psalmist understood how to be thankful. How many of you walk around with a song continually in your head? And this is, uh, I can be this way sometimes. And listen, my kids played uh, the Harriet Tubman song for me. I don't even know what the name of it is. But it has been stuck in my head all week. Listen, I love that song. I don't sing it out loud because some of you would look at me kind of weird. But the reality is that the song that's in our heart should be a song of continual praise. God, thank you so much for this traffic. It gives me more time with you. Who? Nobody willing to pray that one? God, Thank you that this person tested my patience. It showed how much you've done in my life. Because a year ago, I'd have killed him. (laughs) Listen, view this as an understanding of what it means to genuinely be thankful. The next one, be specific in prayer. I love that Paul is asking them in the midst of this, To be very specific. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us the door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. The interesting understanding here is that Paul, in the midst of this, is praying a very specific prayer. He says, hey, I'm requesting that you as my faithful individuals would spend time in prayer that I see all of these prisoners as sinners and make sure that I can share the gospel message with them. Listen, most of us, if we were in prison, if we were wrongfully accused or if we were in there because of our faith, would constantly be bitter all of the time. Paul says, make sure that my perspective is that I would share Christ with everybody that I come in contact with. That I would share Christ with the guards and that I would share Christ with all of these folks in here. Listen, if you look back over historical context, in most places that Paul was in prison, so many people became believers that they actually started worshiping in the prison. Interesting, maybe it's pride on our part. We don't ask people to pray for us anymore. For some reason, if I were to go to an individual and say, hey, listen, please pray for me. I'm really struggling to fight sin. The person would look at me and go, whoa, way too close. The reality is, believers, as we would come together as Christ, that person should stop what they're doing grab you as a brother and sister in Christ and say, I'm with you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to help you to get through this. So the world has told us, don't let anybody have anything on you. They may take advantage of you. So the reality is that we should be very specific about our prayers. God, move in this person's life. If somebody that you need to share Christ with, and I love that he's specifically praying for boldness to share Christ. That's his desire. That's what his want is. Help me be bold. 
But I ask you, when you talk to God, are you asking for that same boldness? God, give me the strength. God, give me the boldness. God, give me the words that I could share. The next one is by being an evangelistic prayer. Be an evangelistic prayer. Pray that God would open the door for us to share Christ. The reality is that most of you have not had open doors because you have not spent time in prayer for them. You're going in powerless. You're going in without the strength. So I want to tell you that when you go in and when you pray, when you pray specifically and and fervently and, and all of these different things, God begins to work. How do I know that? Because scripture lays it out in Acts chapter 14 and verse 27. The results of Paul's prayer to the church in Colossae are right here. He prayed that God would give him the boldness, that God would give him the opportunity. And here in verse 27, he says this. When they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Can you imagine? Paul was seeing the fruit right before his eyes. He knew that he had prayed for this when he sent that letter to the church in Colossae. And what was he doing? He was praying that God would give them the boldness, that the doors would open, that he would be able to share the Christ, share Christ with the Gentiles. And it happens. See, I think sometimes, after something like last week where we saw God move in a powerful way on the hearts of our people. Sometimes when we walk out, we wonder, where do I start? How do I do this? Scripture gives us this understanding that we are to try to be good at it. I love the understanding that Paul genuinely desired to share Christ And so I think about Paul probably in the early days of sharing Christ probably wasn't very good at it because of how aggressive he was. He probably went something like this. Hey, you need to get saved. He'd go, no. Paul grabs him by the neck, puts him on the floor, puts his knee on his throat and says, now will you get saved? Listen, somebody probably had to go to Paul and say, easy, bro we got to let the Lord work in their life. we got to let the Lord work. And Paul, as he continued to grow, as he continued to do this, he became very good at sharing his faith. One of the instances that fascinates me is that Paul entered in with all of the intellectuals at a place called Areopagus. When he walked into this place, this was where everybody that was of any great intelligence would continually go to because they would kind of talk back and forth and they would debate and they would go back and forth on these things. One of the greatest things that they would debate in that series of events was the unknown God. And Paul walks in with boldness and he shares with the most intellectual of that time period that he knows who the unknown God is. And that he knows that it's the Christ. And he witnesses to every intellectual in that time period. When I think about it for us, that I promise you Paul's starting point was a genuine starting point of prayer. It's exercised in every letter. 
Paul's desire that he would make it clear. So it's interesting that even in this passage of scripture, it tells us how to pray, what we're supposed to do, but then it gives us an even further action plan. After you've prayed, after you've done this, and he says in verse 5 and 6, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, people that are not of the faith, people that don't know Christ. And then he tells them, make the best use of your time. Be targeted, be strategic, that when you see this person, have the words ready on your heart, ready on your lips of what you can say to them to share Christ with them. Then he says, this is probably hard for Paul to say, let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt, which is a preservative that lasts a long time so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This action plan is to be gracious. Let your words make things better and have an answer for people that are questioning this. So I want to share a video with you. On the Who's Your One videos and Who's Your One website, there's an interview with a couple of different people that have come to know Christ because somebody shared that message with them. So please listen to this video. My name is Christian Norman, and I played football for most of my life. But my funnest time playing the sport was when I played linebacker at Michigan State University between 2009 and 2013. The best way that I can describe how I came to Jesus was an invitation. I had heard the gospel preached my whole life. I grew up in the church, but when I turned 15 years old, my mom gave me a choice uh, for what I wanted to do with my spiritual life. I chose to leave God behind. And the last game of my sophomore year, uh, playing against the University of Alabama in the Capital One Bowl, I got hurt. And when I got hurt, I lost my sense of self. I lost my identity. I didn't know who I was and why I was here. As I was struggling with my identity, uh, Phil Gillespie, who was the director of Athletes in Action at Michigan State, saw me struggling, and he just invited me to go to the ultimate training camp where they teach student-athletes how faith and sport are combined. And I just saw student-athletes in, in my stage and in my season of life passionately living for Jesus and that really spoke to me and then I, I heard the gospel preached in a compelling way in a way that I can understand so on the night of May 24 2011 I gave my life to Jesus immediately after my conversion uh, when I got back to campus everybody saw that I was different I wanted everybody to hear <laughs> the good news because Jesus did a radical work in me and first of all let me say that I love football I've been playing since I was nine years old. And by the grace of God, I was decent at it. Playing professionally was a realistic opportunity, but I, I really felt like God was calling me into ministry. And I thought to myself on many occasions, this is what I want to give my life to. No matter where I go or where I'm at, my goal is to get people into a Bible study. So my wife and I, about eight months ago, we started a Bible study in my neighborhood, and about 14 of our neighbors are coming uh, consistently. And one of them, his name is Matt. He's not a believer, 
yet, but I believe that as we go through God's story, as we talk about what God has been doing ever since Genesis all the way through Revelation, he's going to see that and respond to it uh, with repentance and faith. If Phil Gillespie was too afraid to give me an invitation, who's to say that I would know Jesus right now? So don't let the fear of rejection stop you from just, just loving people well. I would say just be intentional. God has put people right in front of you. Uh, maybe they're on your team. Maybe they're in your classroom. Maybe they're already in your friend group. That's your captive audience. Obey the Lord. That's it. Do what he's called you to do. Because it's in his calling on your life that you're going to find your greatest joy and your deepest satisfaction. Just choose someone and, and go for it. <laughs> My name is Christian Norman. I played outside linebacker at Michigan State University for four years, and now I'm a pastor at First Baptist Church of Woodstock. I have my one. Who's your one? As I was listening to this this past week, I was thinking, you know, how great his testimony is, but he, he names somebody in the midst of that testimony of Phil Gillespie. I think about Phil Gillespie because he actually took the initiative to see somebody that was hurting and realized that his job, his responsibility was to share Christ with them. But I promise you that Phil Gillespie's start didn't just take place where he automatically went up to him. His start happened by simply praying, God, work in this young man's life. God, give me the boldness to share the message with them. So I want to challenge you to kind of be intentional about this. And so how do we do this? And so let me kind of close with this understanding. I'm going to ask you to commit to pray at 1 o'clock for your one. And you say, Jeff, don't start making excuses yet. I'm not done. The simple way to do this is just by simply putting an alert on your phone. That says at one o'clock, I'm going to take seriously that God laid that person on my heart and I'm going to pray that God would give me the boldness to share my faith with them. Listen, why one o'clock? Because it's a simple number. I could have made it 1 a.m. But one o'clock in the afternoon, just simply set an alert that reminds you whether you're ending lunch or coming back from lunch or whatever it is. And listen, sometimes your coworkers are going to go, why does that alert go off at 1 o'clock every day? And here's your response. God's put it upon my heart to pray that I would share my faith with somebody this year. I just want to be intentional and know that if I spend time with God, he's going to open the door, he's going to give me the words to say, and he's going to give me the boldness to act. So my ask is this. Will you dedicate a few minutes at one o'clock every day to pray for your one? Listen, you can come up with every excuse in the book. But what if you didn't? What if you simply... pretty sure that wasn't God. <laughs> what if you simply started with one? At one o'clock every day, every time you see that time come up, you know that it's your time. 
whether you remove yourself or take a walk or go to the restroom, wherever it is that you need to go just to spend five minutes praying that God would do this. See, I think that the difference here is that we're no longer just giving you the, the, the opportunity to do it. We're saying if you're going to do it, if God's going to move, you've got to talk to him about it. So I ask you, were you serious about the name that you wrote on that ping pong ball? If you were genuinely serious, this is the action step that comes with it. The only way that we begin to do the mission that God has called us to do is to be people of prayer. Listen, I'm convinced that believers are walking powerless into a world that is continually destroying them because they do not spend time in prayer. So I'm going to ask our worship team to come forward at this time. We're going to move this box to the front again. And if you weren't here last week, the commitment that we made as a church is that we wrote one person's name that we want to see come to know Christ this year. And in the midst of this, uh, our people responded. And if you see all of the white ping pong balls that are in there, those are people and people's names that we genuinely want to see come to know Christ. And so it was kind of a powerful moment for us as a church. But even in a more powerful moment for us this week, is how do we start to do this? For some, it's an intimidating thing to have a genuine conversation with somebody that doesn't know Christ. And so I would ask you, if you haven't filled out a name for who you want to see come to know Christ this year, take some time this morning and just simply drop that ping pong ball into this box. For some of you, the next step would be to have a gospel conversation. And for some of you, you get the great opportunity because I had conversations with a lot of you this past week where you were so excited and so ready to share your faith with this person that it was just this challenge that was continually going in your heart. And so listen, this morning, you get to write on that green ping pong ball the name of the person that you had a gospel conversation with. But here's my ask of everybody that's in this room. Would you stop this week and simply pray? Maybe it starts with you this morning in your seats. Maybe it starts with coming to the altar this morning and saying, God, I want you to give me the boldness. I want to be so persistent in this prayer that God could set his alarm clock knowing that I'm going to talk to him at one o'clock about this. God, give us the persistence that we continually go to you, we continually seek you, we continually want you to move. And I promise you, he will begin to open the doors. Why? because I know that he did just this for Paul. And I've seen it throughout the years. And when the people of God genuinely pray, it touches and moves the heart of God. 
So I ask you this morning, spend some time in prayer saying, God, I'm not going to stop talking to you. I'm going to continually pray until I see this person come to know Christ. I'm going to be relentless. I'm going to love them. I'm going to make sure that my words are gracious, that I can give an answer, that everything that I give them is seasoned with salt. I'm going to commit that I would be persistent in my prayers this year. Dear Father, I come to you humbled and thankful for the way that you're at work in the lives of your church. Father, I pray for each name that's represented in this little box. Lord, may your Holy Spirit begin to work on their hearts. Father, may you move in them that the question is, how do I know God? That, that you would send your people, your servants, and share that message with them. Father, I pray for those that are a part of this church that have never taken seriously what it means to spend time in prayer with you. May you begin to move in their hearts and move in their lives, Lord, that they would take initiative, that they would train and they would be ready to share your faith at every occasion. Father, that as this year goes on, we would see people come to know you, genuinely place their faith and trust in Christ in you, that you would change their life. Father, I love the testimony of this guy. As soon as he came back, everybody knew that something was different. He had a peace about his life because it was no longer in turmoil. The things that really mattered up to that point no longer mattered because his desire was to please and honor you and live for you. Father, move in our people this morning. Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Everybody would stand up as we close out this service. I would ask you to be serious about what God's placed upon your heart and spend some time in prayer for your one this morning. And if you weren't here last week, I would ask you to commit with us as a church the same way that so many people did last week. Maybe you were here last week and you couldn't think of the name and God laid it upon your heart this week, whatever it is you would spend some time in prayer that God would allow you to share your faith with them this morning.